The following audio is from Crossroads Church, a church in Lincoln, Nebraska, centered around building genuine community through authentic faith. More info can be found at lincolncrossroads.com. Amen. You know, have you ever noticed there's a lot of different kinds of church people? <laughs> right? There's a lot. Some of you are like, yeah, you're right, there are. Uh, there's a lot of different uh, expressions of our Christian faith. And even when it comes to that, just that, that area of, of faith and, and expectation, as, as John was talking about, as we shared with our, our team huddle, uh, serve team huddle this morning, like um, our expectation and, and where our faith lies. You know, there's some people, there's some people on, on when it comes to like the miraculous and, and miracles and the supernatural, you're like, man, this is it. Like, like we need more miracles and miracles is going to be revival. And we're going we to miracles and we're going to see miracles here. We're, gonna, we're just all about the miracles. And there's some people on the other side, they're like, I have faith, but like miracles aren't necessarily like a part of that today. Okay. Well, that's not really. Uh, and then, and then there's like a, a, a bunch of people kind of in this thing called faith, kind of somewhere in between two extreme views on this and you're just like trying to make sense of like normal life but then also the supernatural power of God at work and you know when, when it comes down to I think in the middle there's there, there's this place of saying like there's a lot of people that would, would say this and, I, and honestly I'd say this as well like my faith doesn't require miracles my faith doesn't require evidence listen I I I firmly believe that if I never saw the supernatural hand of God at work again, if I never saw supernatural healing or supernatural provision or supernatural restoration or supernatural reconciliation, if I never saw an, an, a, 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 an external overt move of God to move all normal things, I'd still give him my whole entire life, right? Like, I know God. He doesn't need to prove himself to me. But here's where I want to I want to lean in a little bit, and here's where I think the the the, the text kind of pushes a little bit on us is, is this, like that is so true. Like in and always, I don't need for me, I don't need God to do miracles in order for me to have faith. Like my faith doesn't require miracles. Except I got to be a little bit careful. I got to be careful not to use a a, a spiritual sounding phrase to cover up a spiritually powerless lifestyle. At the end of the day, I want everything that God has for me. I want all that God has for me. And so as we come to the text today, you know, we've just been looking at the Apostle Paul. He just got saved, like supernatural, miraculous event in the beginning of Acts chapter 9. He kind of lives his, he kind of gets rolling in ministry. He's, he's a go-getter, so he just like goes for it. And he sees some opposition. We kind of got there. And then Paul disappears off the scene for a little while. Uh, we know from his, other, from his letters that he wrote later that he kind of spent some time alone with the Lord and training and teaching and, and being with the Lord. And so he kind of disappears for a few chapters and, and, and the story swings back to Peter. And uh, as, we, as we jump into the story, and in fact, I say the story, it's really kind of two events, two stories kind of combined into one. And, and they're found in, and we're gonna pick up in, in Acts chapter Nine. What we're going to see, what I want us to look at here, is what it looks like as, as Peter was living in the power of God. Okay, I mean, Peter was full of the power of God. And, and I want to see what this thing is all 
about. So if you remember, Peter, along with the other apostles, they were, um, isn't that a super cute picture? I see people like smiling. That's so cute. I saw that like, yeah, we're going to use that. Um, Living in the power of God. Well, what we see, so if you remember, so Peter and the apostles, they were leading the church. Uh, Stephen, one of the leaders in the church, was murdered for his uh, uh, believing in Jesus. And then the whole church scattered. Other than Peter and the other apostles there, they began to continue to spread the the good news about Jesus. That that church, we see kind of like growing there a little. But everybody in the church had just scattered all over the place. So now Peter is like, hey, I'm gonna go check in on people. Okay, so he's kind of like, hitting the different towns and villages and and cities around Jerusalem, kind of doing a little tour, just kind of, you know, like hugging necks and kissing babies and just like checking in on everybody, okay? So he's going around, checking, see how the church is going. And this is where I pick up in in Acts chapter 9. I'm going to start reading verse 32. So as Peter traveled about the country, he went to visit the the Lord's people who lived in Lydda. There, There he found a name, a man named Aeneas, who's paralyzed and been bedridden for eight years. Aeneas, Peter said to him, Jesus Christ heals you. Get up, roll up your mat. And immediately Aeneas got up. And listen to what happened. All those who lived in Lydda and Sharon saw him and turned to the Lord. Okay, Lydda and Sharon, there's these small towns uh, very near each other. But listen, there's this guy who'd been bedridden for eight years. He was paralyzed, which means it, it probably wasn't something that he had as a child. This was a man, probably an accident. This guy, he, he, he could no longer walk. He could no longer work. He had to be dependent on other people. And here he is, bedridden, been that way for eight years. And it's a small town. And people know each other in a small town. Here's Lydda and, and, and this neighboring town of Sharon. Uh, Sharon and, and they're there. And all of a sudden, Peter walks in. And, like, he's just going to check on people. Like, oh, man, you can't walk. I feel like God wants to do something about that. And just, just visiting a home. It wasn't at a church. It wasn't at a tent revival. He's at a home and, and, and Peter doing his just normal life. Not on the healing circuit. Not doing this big revival meeting. He was just full of expectation. And guess what? Someone is healed. And this is, I think here's the cool part. Two whole towns received Jesus on that day. That's significant, right? Okay, so then we're going to just keep on going, all right? It keeps on getting wilder. Uh, verse 36, it could, verse 36 could say, meanwhile, okay? So while this is all taking place, in Joppa, there was a, a disciple named Tabitha. She was always doing good and helping the poor. And about that time, while Peter was there in Lydda, about that time, she became sick and died. And her body was washed and placed in an upstairs room. In other words, they were preparing her for burial. So Lydda, uh, the town that Peter was in, so that was near Joppa. So when the disciples heard that Peter was in Lydda, they sent two men to him and urged him, please come at once. Now, now here's what we need to recognize. They don't ask for a miracle. They're not asking, they're not expecting Tabitha to get raised from the dead. Um, it, it was urgent and said, please come at once because when somebody dies, they don't do the whole embalming and preservation kind of stuff. Like you got to bury the person pretty quickly. And so they hear that one of the leaders of the church is in a nearby town. And so uh, my guess, and from context, we can imagine they don't want him to be part of the service, the ceremony. And so they go and they get him. Most likely there's people that knew Peter. So they, they, they go and get him. It says Peter went with them. And when he arrived, he was taken upstairs to the room, the room where Tabitha was. As all the widows stood around him crying and showing him the robes and the other clothing that Tabitha had made while she was still with him. 
right? This, this would have been probably our equivalent of a, a wake or a visitation or something along those lines. You got all the family gathered around, all the friends, the church folks, they're all, they're all there and, and, and Tabitha's body is, is laying there and prepared for burial and, and they're all talking and telling stories and you, everybody's crying with that occasional laughter. Somebody tells a sweet story that they all cherish. And Peter went with them and, and he's hearing all the stories. In verse 40, Peter sent them all out of the room. Now that's a little odd. He sent them out of the room. Then he got down on his knees and prayed. And then, turning towards the dead woman, he said, Tabitha, get up. I want to pause there for just a moment because I, I, I want you to notice something. I, I, I noticed this prior to kind of preparing for today, but get this. Peter sent them out of the room, first of all, odd. Second, then he got down on his knees and prayed, and then he turned towards the dead woman. He didn't send him out of the room, walk over to her, lay his hands on her. He sent him out of the room and was like, God, I need to talk to you about something. And he sensed in the spirit that he was supposed to tell her to get up, and he turned and looked at her. Tabitha, get up. She opened her eyes, and seeing Peter, she sat up, and he took her by the hand, and he helped her to her feet, and then then he called for the believers, especially the widows, and, and presented her to them alive. This became known all over Joppa. No kidding. And, and many people believed in the Lord. And Peter stayed in Joppa for some time with a tanner named, with a tanner named Simon. Uh, can you even imagine what this would be? I mean, I, want you to, I, want, I don't want you to picture the Peter story. I want, you to, I want you to put this in a modern, could you imagine if you went to like a visitation or a wake or whatever you want to call it the night before a funeral and you're there talking with the family and then all of a sudden somebody that you know doesn't know the deceased asks for everybody to leave so they can hang out in the room with the body with nobody else there. Weird. And then you're peeking through the windows and they're just like in the middle of the room kneeling down on the floor praying. Still weird. And then he just looks up and says, get up. And then walks over there and helps her up. Yeah, that becomes past weird. Like that's, and so they walk out and they're freaking out and everybody starts talking about it and, and spreading the word and everybody knows that she was dead and she was prepared for burial. And now all of a sudden, all these people start coming to Jesus. So we have two stories of two individuals whose lives were changed dramatically. One, was healed, but able to walk, no longer paralyzed. The other one raised from the dead. But this story, I believe, is not just about Aeneas and Tabitha. This is a story about every single citizen of Lydda and Sharon and the many who believed in Joppa. We started out by saying, my faith doesn't require a miracle. And, and, and that's true. But, but what if Peter decided the same thing? Aeneas would still have been paralyzed. Tabitha would still be dead. And the people of Lydda, Sharon, and Joppa would have spent eternity apart from God. Peter was available not just to do a work in one or two people's lives, but he was available to whatever God wanted to do for the salvation of many. My faith doesn't require miracles. But what if theirs does? My faith doesn't require. I don't, I, don't, I don't need to see the supernatural hand of God at work in order to know that he's the master of the universe and the savior of all. But, 
what if theirs does? Are we, are we willing to have faith for God to work through us in a capacity that will open the eyes of the people that we come in contact with? Now listen, before some of you think I'm going to get real weird, okay? What, what, I wanna, what I wanna share today, I don't wanna talk, this is not a recipe for a miracle, okay? If somebody starts giving you a recipe for a miracle, like leave, okay? That's, when you start saying, here's six steps to get your miracle, okay? That's, that's, that's not biblical, that's an incantation. And, and read Acts 19 and see how that played out, okay? Here's a, for those of you who don't know, it didn't go well. So what I want to give is, is not an ingredient or not a, a recipe for a miracle, but rather some ingredients of a spirit-empowered life, right? You ever had a delicious piece of cake? Of course you had, right? You take a bite, and I don't know about you, may, there's some people who can like take a bite of something and then deconstruct it in your own head and like figure out how it was made. Okay, I'm not, Beth probably kid, I can't, okay? I'm certainly not gonna do that. But I can take a bite of a delicious cake and I can tell you there are two ingredients in it that I'm gonna be very, very aware of, right? Flour and sugar. Now get it, I get it, some of you healthy folks, you're like, oh, I can make you an amazing cake with that flour and sugar. Like, I don't want your wheat crackers that you call a cake, okay? Like, <laughs> if I just ate, if I... <laughs> If I just ate a piece of delicious cake, I can almost guarantee you it had flour and sugar in it, okay? Here's the deal. I, I, I'm not, I can't give you an, a recipe for miracles, but there are certain ingredients in the life of those who walk consistently in the power of God. And this is not a how-to, but like, I want everything that God has for me. And so what we're going to do is we're going we're gonna to look at the life of Peter in these two stories, and we're going to find some ingredients of a spirit-empowered life, okay? We're going to find some ingredients of what it looks like to be living in the power of God, all right? Here's the first in- ingredient. First ingredient is integration. It's a weird-sounding ingredient. Bear with me here. Integration of spiritual and personal life. One thing I noticed in these two stories is that Peter was at, in very normal settings when, when he followed the prompting of the Holy Spirit. He was visiting friends. He was at a funeral. He, he, he was in these very, very normal settings. And what we, we, we're really good at compartmentalizing. Now, some of us are even better at it than others. I don't know if you should brag on that or not. I don't know how that works, but Right? There's some of us, like even in our relationships, we, we, we compartmentalize a little bit. There's certain people that I can be like really open with and there's other people that I'm a little guarded with, but then maybe not even open and guarded. Like there's some people I, I, I connect with on, on these topics and other people I connect with over here. And we, we sometimes do live a little bit compartmentalized even in our own relationships, but we definitely do it in our spiritual lives. Right? Like I'm at church, so I need to be, I need to be like, you know, spiritual right? Don't talk too loud. We're in church. Shh, shh. 
Like, no, 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 I don't, I, I know, I, my, my spiritual and personal, they're super integrated. I have, I have daily quiet time every day. It's not just on Sunday, it's every day. Well, do we get up from there and then, and then like walk out the door and shut it off? It's still a level of compartmentalization. I can be guilty of that sometime. You ever got up from quiet time and had an argument with your spouse? <laughs> I hope not, but it can happen. Why? Because we, 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 we so often, we don't try to do it. You're like, I'm not from a quiet time, but certainly from church, right? You're like arguing with your family, yelling at your kids. All right, we're getting out of the car. We're in the church parking lot. Look like you weren't crying all the way here, okay? We'll finish this as soon as the preacher says amen, right? Like there's, there's a, we compartmentalize so easy. Listen, this is not how Peter lived his life. There wasn't like church Peter and then like everyday Peter. There wasn't spiritual Peter and then like normal life Peter. There is, when, when God called us to follow him, he didn't call us to follow him like once a week on Sunday morning. And when he called us to follow him, he didn't call us to follow him once a week on Sunday morning. And then the real spiritual people, yeah, the ones who go to Wednesday night church and house church, like, whoo, they got to follow Jesus three times. No, no, this is, a, this is an all-in thing. This is an all-in kind of thing. So here, here let, me just, let me just give you a tip. There's, there's some people that you struggle to allow yourself to be spiritual at church. Right? You show up and you're like, well, there's people raising their hands. I've never, I've never seen that before. These people are real spiritual. I'm not asking you to do a certain thing in worship. Don't dance and whatever. I'm just saying, like, will you at least open your heart? There's some people that you show up at church and you go through the motions and it's nice and you feel like a little bit of a, oh, that was good, right? And you go back to your day and that was fine. Listen, can I just, let's, let's baby steps. Let's start here. Like God wants to speak to you, friend. And some of us are so closed off that even when we gather in a place of worship with the people of God, we remain closed off before we're going to have a, a spiritual life that's integrated with our personal life. Let's start by allowing God to speak to our heart and minister to us while we're gathered together with the believers, right? Okay, that's baby step. That's step one. Step, one. step two, let's, 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 let's be spiritual at home. If if. For those of you who have kids, if you have a spiritual conversation about God or faith or something along those lines with your children and they're like weirded out by that, that's not a good sign. That doesn't mean it's over. It means it's time to start to build some new habits. If, if you feel awkward speaking to your spouse or to your roommate or, or the people down the hall from you, like if, you, if, if in your home, it feels a little bit uncomfortable to initiate conversations about faith in God. All right, it's time. That's where we start, right? That's where we start. Let's incorporate the man. Read the Old Testament. Man, there was instruction over and over and over. Like, like talk about the things of God all the time. And then, then let me challenge you. Maybe like, no, no, that's not. I mean, we talk about Jesus all the time. It's great. Well, we have Jesus this and Jesus that, and and the way God's working. That's great. We we worship at church and we we do it at home. Okay, now 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 let's let's move into the workplace. Are you spiritual at work? Like, I'm not telling like like you're like walking in with the Spotify blaring on your phone and just like having a little worship dance on the way in the door. Right? That's not what I'm talking about. What I'm saying is. Are you comfortable speaking of the things of God with unbelievers? 
Here's the reality. Awkward is contagious. Right? Awkward is contagious. Choose to be normal and talk about Jesus like a normal human. So, man, we, we do ourselves a disfavor as believers when, when we sheepishly engage unbelievers from this like, I'm not really sure what you're going to think about me now, so can, do you want to talk about Jesus? No, because you're weird. <laughs> Just don't be awkward. But part of that has to realize that we have to invite Jesus into our workplaces, what it, what it speaks of is, 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 okay, like wherever you start to feel that awkward, wherever you start to feel that tension, that's the place where you've begun to build walls and you've not allowed your, your, person, your spiritual life to be integrated into that aspect of your life. Now, I get it. Speaking with unbelievers about God is obviously going to be different by, than speaking with people who believe the same thing as you. I understand that. That's obvious. There's going to be a natural, especially if you're not used to it, there's going to be a natural apprehension to, I, I understand all that. But do we believe this stuff or not? Like, do, do, <laughs> I'm not ashamed of the gospel. I, I, I can be sensitive in the way that I talk about it, and I can be aware of how, maybe how somebody else is thinking at the time. Those are all great things. But man, friends, Peter did not walk around be like, okay, can I talk about Jesus with you? Okay, yes, but how about you? No, oh, you, uh, you might be uncomfortable if I talk about that. No, no, no. Like, there's an integration of our spiritual and personal lives. Here's a quick test. If it feels weird to laugh at church or pray at work, then you, we got some work to do. This is why I love our house churches. I'm just gonna make a little plug for this. This is why I love our house churches. Like there, I've heard some people like, it's kind of odd when we get to the part where we worship together at house church. Like that feels a little bit, just a little bit different to like to worship like, like we do here at, in, a, in somebody's living room. Great. That's part of the point. Is because if we can only worship in a house of worship, then, then we need to learn to integrate our spiritual lives and our personal lives a little bit better, right? And so if it feels a little bit worship, hey, ooh, feels a little awkward, fine. We're gonna talk about Jesus in your dining room. We're, we're gonna pray for one another in the kitchen. We're gonna worship together in the living room because why not, right? All right, one, integration. Second ingredient, conversation. Second ingredient, conversation. I'm not talking about just like me and you chatting after church. I'm talking about conversation with God constantly. That's worded funny, but I had to stick with it in order for my outline. Okay, sorry. Um, second ingredient is conversation with God constantly. That's where this verse 40 really got me. Then he, like he cleared the room, he got down on his knees and prayed, and then turned towards the dead woman. I don't know what happened between the room cleared and Tabitha got getting up. I don't know what was happening in Peter's head. It doesn't say. So the next minute or so, this is my speculation, do with it whatever you want. But Jesus, and we're gonna look at this in just a moment. Jesus told Peter and his other apostles that like anything you ask in my name, you can, it's gonna be done for you. And he, I believe there's some clarity in 1 John that says, um, Anything you ask according to my will. Here's my hunch. But Peter's at this little visitation. And he was moved in his spirit. And he was like, mm, God, but she's dead. She's like, really dead. 
hey, why don't everybody leave for a minute? I need to just talk to God for just a moment. And he clears the room and he gets down and says, God, like, are you for real? Is this what we're going to do right now? And he got the green light. Listen, there were, there were moments in Jesus' life and ministry that people weren't healed. Certain places he'd go and people weren't healed. But we don't see any cases where Jesus declared healing or prayed for healing and it didn't happen. Why? Well, he's God. I mean, there's that. But he said that nothing he does, he does on his own. He only does what the Father tells him to do. Here's what I'm convinced of. Is that the more I grow in my faith, the more I'm going to learn how to hear the voice of God, and every single one of my prayers will be answered. If I eventually grow to the point of being Jesus, that's never happened in the history of the world, but that's the trajectory. Do you understand what I'm saying? I'm not saying I'm going to get to the point where like everything I say happens, but like that's the process of learning how to walk in such communion with God, such unity with the Father, that nothing, I, do, I don't do anything that the Father doesn't tell me to do. This is the way Jesus lived his life. I believe what's happening right here is that Peter lives his life in constant conversation with God, that he's there and he's like, whoa, God, I feel like you're saying something to me about this dead girl right now. He clears the room like, I need to, I need to get some clarity here. But Father God, is this what you're doing right now? All right, Tabitha, come on. I firmly believe, I know this to be true that a prayerless life is going to be a powerless life. So many of us, man, I want to see the power of God. How am I not seeing God move? How am I not seeing God? We're like, okay, well, do you pray? And Paul tells us to pray constantly, without ceasing, constantly, all the time. Are we in constant communication with the Father? This is what we see in this picture is Peter is in constant communication with the Father, constant communication with the Holy Spirit. And he's like, oh, okay, okay. This is what God's doing right now. If we want to walk in power, I believe we can know. The, I mean, Paul says in, to the Romans, right? In, in chapter 12, he says, like, don't be conformed to the pattern of this world. Be transformed by the renewing your mind. Then you'll be able to know God's will. If you know God's will, you can pray God's will. And it's amazing what happens when you begin to pray in accordance with God's will and the power of the Holy Spirit. Friends, Christians, we have got to make this a priority. Right? I wonder if Peter was reminded as he's in that room when, when Jesus, remember they're trying to cast out a demon out of, a, out of, out of this kid and, and, and dad comes like, they can't do it. And Jesus, what does Jesus say? He's like, this kind comes out only by what? Prayer and fasting. Peter's like, I'm not gonna miss, I'm not gonna make the same mistake twice. Let's talk to the father about this one. Make this a priority. Man, there's, there's ways that we can do it. Sometimes we just need reminders, right? Sometimes we just need reminders to be praying all the time. I use an app called Pause. It's fantastic. It reminds me just to like, poop, okay, bring God into the middle of my day. Um, talk to somebody, use an app called Echo. It reminds you to pray and you can set it at different times. Check them out. Do whatever it takes. Uh, there's other strategies. I've done this in different seasons of life, like connecting uh, prayer to something that happens all the time. Like if you can connect prayer to 
opening the fridge, watch how much you pray. <laughs> you connect prayer to using the restroom. Man, we all need that much prayer, right? Okay, like, like connect prayer to something that just is a reminder. Like we have got to stay in conversation with God all the time. If we want to walk in the power of the Holy Spirit, we have got to be people of prayer. Number three, third ingredient is expectation. Expectation that God will come through. We've been talking about this throughout the service today. My faith doesn't require miracles. Okay, fine. But let's not use this spiritual sounding phrase to cover up a spiritually powerless lifestyle. I will say that again. I'm not going to use a spiritual, we got to be careful not to use a spiritual sounding phrase to cover up a spiritually powerless lifestyle. Because that sounds good. My faith doesn't require miracles. And it, 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 it is true. It's not like it sounds true, but no, it is true. I don't need it for me. But what if it's not about me? Now, here's the thing. Like, I can say that my faith doesn't require miracles. And, and sometimes I'm like, like, yeah, that sounds good, but Man, I, I believe every Christian, I believe every human needs to learn the art of deep self-evaluation. Digging in. Challenge the motives of your own heart. Second guess them. Not constantly, you shouldn't live there, but like you just need to go there every once in a while. Because here's, okay, I'll, I don't know about you, but here's for me. Sometimes I can, be, I can hear that and be like, yeah, that's true. I know that's true. I stand by that. I live by that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My faith doesn't require miracles. But if I were to dig a little bit deeper, I'm caught with the reality that I, I am fully aware that hearing no would feel like rejection. If I ask, if I put myself out there just to ask, God, would you do this? God, will you do that? God, I want to see. Like your word says that you move in power. I know that you're a God of the supernatural. If I ask, I know that if you say no, I'm going to have to deal with like that feeling a lot like rejection. I see in the scripture that you do miracles. But I see from history that everybody dies. I see that you are the provider. But I see godly people going hungry. What if I ask and he says no? I don't want to put myself through that. Like it's easier not to ask than deal with the messy confusion of unanswered requests. So I'm just going to sit back and say like my faith doesn't require a miracle so I'm just going to stay here. The other thing is, it kind of hides this thing inside of me that I don't want to look at. If I dig deep, I realize that it's a spiritual way of saying, I don't need any more of God than I currently have. Like I'm, I'm okay, here's my Christian word for it. I'm content with where I am in my walk with Jesus. Let me expose that statement here for a second. Like to walk with Jesus, or we'll put it this way, follow Jesus implies movement. Okay, So if we were to follow Jesus, it means we're going to experience some new things all the time. 
He's going to lead us into new places. And he's going to constantly stretch us and, and, and lead us into places where we feel uncomfortable. He's, he, he's, going to, he's going to call us to follow him, and we've got to keep moving. What, what we often say, oh, I'm just, I'm just really content in my, in my relationship with God. You know what that usually means? It usually is, is just like code for I'm actually quite complacent. When, when, I, when I, in my journey, right, look, picture this, right? I'm following you. Jesus is going. He's trudging along. I'm following him. The moment I say, God, I'm content right here, is the moment we pull out a lawn chair, throw out a picnic blanket, and say, I'm going to camp down right here while Jesus is still on the move. And where we go nowhere, he keeps moving, and we find further and further distance from the heart of God. No matter how long you've been serving him, he's still moving. No matter how well you think you know him, he's still leading you and stretching you in new places. No matter where he's going, no matter what's, what he's, he wants you to follow. So guard ourselves from saying, guard yourselves, dig deep and go like, man, part of the reason I say that statement, like I don't need, I don't need the power of God. I don't need the supernatural. I don't need the miraculous, like in order for me to have faith. What if Jesus is leading you somewhere that you just don't feel comfortable going? Do you trust him? My faith doesn't require miracles, but what if theirs does? Are my prayers too safe? Think about this. If, if God answered every single one of the prayers that you prayed this last week, would you even know it? Would anything be different? Or do we reserve our prayers to these safe, like, please help me get over this cold that I know is going to be gone in seven to ten days anyway? Like God, God cares about your cold and pray for it. But if that's all the faith that we have is that we would pray for slightly more rapid healing than Jesus already predetermined that you were going to have, like if that's all the faith that I have, I'm praying too small. Am I good where I'm at? Or am I eagerly following Jesus into the unknown? People who live a life of, of, of Holy Spirit power are people who are constantly expecting that God is going to come through. And in case you think I'm just making that up, listen to what Jesus said. The Last Supper, he's sitting there with his 12. He says, very truly I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I've been doing. And they will do even greater things than these because I'm going to the Father. And I will do whatever you ask in my name so that, so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. You may ask me for anything in my name and I'll do it. And then just a couple chapters later or a few moments later, rather, if you're going to look at the storyline, this is very truly I tell you, my Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. Now listen, this is where I want to caution us here. Acts 19, there's these guys that they thought, oh, all you got to do is like say in Jesus' name and then things start happening and they start doing it and they start trying to cast out demons and it didn't go well. The demon-possessed man beat him up. Here I believe John gives a little bit of insight into what this in, the, in my name means when he says this. 1 John 5, 14-15, this is the confidence we have in approaching God that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have what we ask of him. In other words, in my name could also be stated according to his will. 
you know, we've been, we've been talking about what it means to be a witness as we look through this. Right? We see here there's this, this, this integration of the spiritual life into the normal life, this conversation constantly with God, this expectation. But what does it all result in? What do these ingredients produce? They produce salvation. Right? Like there's a lot of different cakes that are made with flour and sugar. There's a lot of different ingredients in the way that God is going to use you. But there are, some, there are some basic ingredients that we see in the life of Peter, that we're going to see in the life of Paul, that we see with people who are led by the Spirit of God. It's not incantation. Don't just whip around like, oh, in Jesus' name, da 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 No, 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 no. But friends, and maybe you're, maybe you're like, I don't, like, I'm still working through this, like, miraculous stuff. I'm not sure, like, I'm ready to go, like, start breaking into funeral homes and raising dead people. Like, I'm not, I'm not sure I'm... I'm there yet. Listen, we got to remember that this expectation is not just pie in the sky expectation. This is expectation that is based on relationship that is developed through constant conversation when we integrate our spiritual life into everyday life. Right? You, you see how these things work together. This is not just like, I, I'm just going gonna, I'm, I'm gonna to speak it until it happens. No, no. It, this is expectation is based on my relationship with God that is cultivated through the conversation that I have all the time because I choose to live my spiritual life and my personal life integrated together. My faith doesn't require miracles, but what if theirs does? Friends, if you want to be a witness... I can't say this for everybody. There's some of you that oh, I, I know for sure. Like, you're living this out. You're doing it. You're expecting God. You're talking with him. Like, your spiritual and, 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 and personal lives are so integrated. But there's some of us, friends, there's some of us. Like, we're like, yeah, I feel this draw. Like, even as we study through Acts, I, I, I feel this like, yeah, this witness. I, I gotta, but there's something missing. Let's try to incorporate these ingredients into our lives this week. See what happens. Let's see what happens if I just, and, and maybe for some of you, just, just pick one. God, I just, I got to start with just this integration thing. Like I got to start by, by looking for you in the common places of life. I need to start by, by seeing your presence at work in my workplaces and in my, in my just, man, shoot, and just in my family. I got to learn and remind myself, set reminders on your phone, pray. Just to set a reminder that it goes off two, three, times a day. Pray. Just so it makes it pray. Just talk to him. God, what are you doing right now? God, would you calm my heart? God, would you let me see what you see? Doesn't that be a long prayer? I'm not saying stop and pray for an hour. I'm just saying stop and pray for two minutes. Bring him, invite him into the daily routines of your life. But let's be people of expectation. We serve a God who's alive and active. We serve a God who desires to move on behalf of his children. And then let's see what it looks like to be a witness when we're living our lives with this integration, this conversation, and this expectation. And we just give him the ingredients and let God just like make it beautiful. I don't know how many times I've seen Beth do this. She opens the pantry and she opens the fridge and she looks at what we have. And an hour later, we have an amazing dinner. I don't know how she does it, but she just takes the ingredients available and turns it into something that people are going to love. There is a world, 
there's a world that's hurting and needs God so badly. Hey, can we, can we cultivate these ingredients in our, in our lives and say, God, I don't know where, where you're going with this, but here they are. I'm gonna integrate my personal and spiritual life. I'm gonna keep in constant conversation with you. I'm gonna expect big things and God, you just make whatever you wanna make. Father, we praise you and we thank you that you're at work. You're at work right here. God, we want something authentic. We want something genuine. I don't want cookie cutter. God, we don't need to go through the motions. God, we don't need games. Father, we want the spirit of God actively involved, not just in our services, but in our daily lives. There are lives at stake. Our community, our city is at stake. God, there are unbelievers in our, in our lives right now that are dependent on us just trusting you, expecting more. God, work in us, work through us, have your way. In Jesus' name we pray. Thank you for listening to this audio from Crossroads Church. Feel free to share this audio with others, but please do not alter or edit the content in any way. For more information about Crossroads, please visit lincolncrossroads.com.